Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning, and we are glad that you are here with us. And it seems like that we have most of us, and that's, that's good for, for us. But we do appreciate you being here today. Our lesson continues the series that we've begun on Ezekiel. We've been studying what I call lessons learned from the prophet Ezekiel. And I believe we're on the, the fourth lesson in that series. And today's lesson is Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap. And it is based on Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. The gap that is referred to here, it's, it's used as uh, different words in different translations. Um, we used the English Standard Version a moment ago and the word was, was used there, breach, which is the meaning. Uh, Strong's Hebrew defines it as a bursting forth, a breach. And certainly as we look at Jerusalem and as we look at, at God's people, uh, the, the, the way that they were defended, uh, the walls that they had as a defense were allowed to be breached because of their wickedness against God. We find that the gap is in the righteousness of the people who had breached the covenant of God in disloyalty and spiritual adultery. And as we look at, at verse 30 of Ezekiel chapter 22, we find that there was none righteous enough to stand in the gap, so to speak, in faithfulness to God and intercession for the people. As we look at, at God's followers, we find that, that one of the, the major problems with them is that they failed to remain faithful to God. And so as God sought for a man who would stand in that gap, that, that breach in the people, and especially from a spiritual standpoint, there was none to be found who was righteous. And as we, we bring that thought into today, we find that God still seeks for righteous people who will stand in the gap. He seeks for righteousness in, in leading His people as well as in His followers. With the great wickedness that surrounds us today, is there anyone who would stand in the gap? For God. The question comes to you. Will you be one who will stand in the gap for God, for His people? Our lesson objectives for this morning are first of all to understand the sins of Israel and why God needed someone to stand in the gap. And secondly, to understand the need for someone standing in the gap today 
Let's not just leave it in the Old Testament, but let's bring it into today as well and understand what we need to do, what God wants us to do as His followers, as His children, to realize our own potential for standing in the gap, that we can and that we should. But we need to first go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at Ezekiel. Let's look at at what we understand about God's people and, and see what we can learn from them. I want us to begin, first of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to to primarily be in Ezekiel chapter 22, but we're going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we find that Israel was warned to keep God's commandments. They were warned to keep God's commandments. Deuteronomy 8 and beginning with verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your hands and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do, to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and my might, or the might of my hand, have gained me this well. Verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish." because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. The warning was for God's people for all time, specifically to those in the Old Testament, but for God's people, even through the days of Ezekiel, we find that this warning was still for them. It was part of the covenant that was made between God and His people. Part of the covenant that they were to honor as well as as God honoring. And in this morning, they are told of the consequences of their eventual disobedience. What Israel is facing in the days of Ezekiel is the consequence of their disobedience against God. God knew that His people would turn away from Him. God knew that they would not remain faithful. 
And so, God tells them exactly what's going to happen, and it does come to pass. They had been taken into captivity to the greater Babylon, the Chaldeans. And Ezekiel is sent to them to preach unto them repentance for their sins. Also delivering a glimmer of hope to those willing to turn away from their sins. But Ezekiel was sent with the message. They were told not to forget the Lord their God. And yet, as we read in Ezekiel chapter 22, as we read elsewhere in the, the book and, and in different books throughout the Old Testament, they had done exactly that. The first several verses of Ezekiel 22 outline the sins of the people against God. We begin with idolatry in verses 3 through 5 of Ezekiel 22. Then say, thus says the Lord God, the city sheds blood in her own midst, that her time may come, and she makes idols within herself to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood which you have shed, and have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. You have caused your days to draw near, and have come to the end of your years. Therefore I have made you a reproach to the nations, and a mockery to all countries." Those near and those far from you will mock you as infamous and full of tumult. They had adopted the gods of other nations, the gods that their God had warned them not to follow. And in their idolatry they made their sons pass through the fire. As we read in chapter 16 verse 21, chapter 20 and verse 26 and also verse 31, in chapter 23 and verse 37. This was a, a tradition, something that was common uh, among those involved in idolatry. And they had defiled or polluted themselves before God. And even worse, they refused to repent. And so they had involved themselves in, in something that God had forbidden them to do so. They had turned away from Him. But there's, there's more. And as we read through chapter 22, we find different things that are outlined. They had failed to keep father and mother in honor, instead making light of them, as is mentioned in verse 7. They profaned the Sabbath that they were to keep holy, verse 8. And in verses 9 through 12, they committed lewdness in the sight of God and their fellow man, violating the women among them and taking bribes to shed blood. Until we come to verse 13 of Ezekiel 22, verses 13 through 16. Behold, therefore, I beat my fists at the dishonest prophet which you have made and at the bloodshed which has been in your midst. Can your heart endure or can your hands remain strong in the days when I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. I will scatter you among the nations, disperse you throughout the countries, and remove your filthiness completely from you. 
you shall defile yourself in the sight of the nations, then you shall know that I am the Lord. They had done so much against God. And we find that to be the reason that they are in captivity. An illustration is used in verses 17 through 22 of silver being refined in the fire. The impure metals were to be removed that the pure silver might remain. And it's a, a common analogy in Scripture. Ezekiel 22, beginning with verse 17, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze, tin, iron, and lead in the midst of a furnace. They have become dross from silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem. As men gather silver, bronze, iron, lead, and tin into the midst of a furnace to blow fire on it, to melt it, so I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow, blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in its midst. As silver is melted in the midst of a furnace, so shall you be melted in its midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Some might read this and, and think, how could a loving God cause His children to suffer these things? How, how could he, he bring His wrath upon them? Loving God wouldn't do that, would He? God is a loving God. But the problem was that the people no longer loved Him. They had turned away from Him and they needed to be reminded of who they are to serve. When we come to verse 23, Israel had allowed themselves to be led away by false prophets and leaders. Ezekiel 22, beginning with verse 23, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy the people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. 
They had been led astray. They had allowed their leaders to lead them astray. And there's much to be said about the leaders of God's people in the book of Ezekiel. And because of their being led astray into abomination against God, he sought for one who would stand in the gap. One who is righteous in the midst of Israel's disloyalty. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. The wall that represented their protection had been breached. They were taken into captivity. They had turned so far away from God that none righteous was found among them. And again, their captivity was the consequence of their continued disobedience. Their suffering was because of their sins. They had brought these things upon themselves. As we bring this into our day and time, might ask the question, who will stand in the gap? Who will stand in the gap today? I think it's worthy of us to recognize those who have, those who did. For a strong list of individuals who have stood in the gap, we need not go any further than Hebrews 11. And yet they are mentioned in other places, and we'll look at some other scriptures. But, but let's look at some of those that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. We begin the list with Abel. Abel is one who stood in the gap. When he could have followed the example of his brother, he was instead righteous in God's eyes. He did what God wanted him to do in the way that God wanted him to do it, his sacrifice was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And we read in chapter 11 of Hebrews in verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. He's also mentioned in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Notice what it says of Cain here, who was of the wicked one. He certainly wasn't of God because he wouldn't have done the things that he did if he had been of God. 
but instead he was of the world. He was of the things of the world, of the ruler of the world. And so because he was of the world, he murdered his brother. Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Abel was a righteous man. Abel stood in the gap. When Cain did not, Abel stood in the gap. And he is certainly commended for that. Noah is another example of one who stood in the gap. Despite the wickedness of his neighbors, he and his family stood in the gap, maintaining his righteousness and doing as he had been told by God. We read in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Notice what is said of Noah here. He was a preacher of righteousness. He stood in the gap. And yet, he wasn't a great success in the eyes of the world, but he did overcome the world. He and his family were saved from the flood. He was faithful. Abraham, on two major occasions, stood for God in his, in his obedience. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 8, we read this. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. On one occasion God comes to him and says, Leave your home. And he did. He left his home. Just as God had told him to do so. Later on, we read this of him in verse 17 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham stood in the gap. He was righteous. When others were not, Abraham was righteous. 
And there are others for us to consider, such as Moses, Joshua, the judges, and any of the prophets. As we come into the New Testament, we might recognize John, the baptizer, the apostles, and especially Paul. These men are all examples of standing in the gap. Even facing a world of wickedness. When I think of, of Paul and, and the things that, that he dealt with, looking at, at history and, and knowing what I know of Rome, that he would stand for God means so much. He was righteous. And he stood in the gap. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. If God is looking for those who would stand in the gap today, where would He find such? Where would God look to find those who will stand in the gap? I think He would look first at His church, would He not? A church that is established by Christ, that was promised by Christ, a church that belongs to Christ, Is he looking for faithful preachers who would stand in the gap? Absolutely. Is he looking for faithful elders that will stand in the gap? Absolutely. Is he looking for faithful Christians that will stand in the gap? Absolutely. You see, it's not all in the hands of the preacher. It's not all in the hands of the elders of a congregation to stand in the gap and to stand for the truth, to stand for righteousness. But it's up to all of us as Christians, all of us. God is looking to each of us to stand in the gap. So in recognizing that God is looking at all of us might be helpful for us to know what He is looking for in those who would stand in the gap. As in the days of Ezekiel, we must be aware, first of all, of false teachings. That was one of the primary concerns, one of the, the things that, that plagued them the most is that they... they were easily led astray in, into believing false teachers. Ezekiel dealt with it. Uh, Jeremiah also. We looked at that last week. And it's important that we recognize false teaching. It's important that we stand against false teaching and stand instead for the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 3, this is what we read. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 and beginning with verse 3. And here Paul is writing to Timothy. He tells him to preach the word in season and out of season. And why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. There was coming a time when people would not endure sound doctrine, when they would not endure to hear the truth. Time was, was upon him then, and it's upon us now. We see so many people that are led away by false teaching and false doctrine. We cannot allow ourselves to be led away from God, to be led away from His truth. We must recognize false teaching, and we must stand against it. Standing for the truth. Teaching the truth and only the truth. What else is God looking for in those that would stand in the gap? He is looking to us to bring the lost to Christ. We have a responsibility. We have a duty to bring them to Christ. In Luke 24 beginning with verse 46. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That, that responsibility was first upon the apostles, who were directly given the Great Commission. They were to bring lost souls to Christ. They were to teach the gospel to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And from there, Christians were spread. The message was spread throughout the world, and so it is spread throughout the world today. We carry on that same responsibility, that same mission of bringing the gospel to the world. And so we have responsibility. And we need to take care of that responsibility. He is lo also looking for faithfulness among us. He is also looking for faithfulness. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. What is faithfulness? It begins with faith, faith leading to obedience. We obey the plan of salvation, repent, confess our faith in Christ, we're baptized for the remission of sins. Just as the Jews were told on the day of Pentecost what they needed to do. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38 So we are to do the same thing. But it's only the beginning of faithfulness. You see, there are a lot of people that will obey the gospel in action. 
but that fail to obey the gospel in heart. That will turn back to the ways of the world that will be entangled in them and they'll turn away from God. But God requires of us faithfulness. Be faithful until death. If we are going to receive the crown of life, if we are going to receive the rewards that God has promised us, then we must be faithful. We must overcome, as we talked about this morning in our Bible class. God is still looking for men and women to stand in the gap. You don't have to to stand in a pulpit. You don't have to have a, a an outward presence, I guess, in, in service as far as serving the congregation. You don't have to do anything out front to to be a Christian necessarily. Although those things are good, but all Christians can stand in the gap. We all have that ability and we all have that responsibility. God is searching for people today who will stand in the gap. Who will be righteous in the midst of a wicked world. Who will be faithful to Him always. Who will teach the truth. Who will lead lost souls to Him. That's what God is looking for. And we can do those things. Each of us can do those things. The question is, while God is looking for you to stand in the gap, are you willing to stand in the gap? Are you a child of God? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you turned away from Him? Do you need to repent? Do you need to come back? Do you need to repurpose and rededicate your life to Him? God is looking for you to stand in the gap. But if for some reason today you are not, if you're not a faithful child of God, then we want to help you. And so we offer you the opportunity to respond publicly to the Lord's invitation if that is your desire. We'd be glad to assist you as together we stand and as we stand.